I trust that you've been learning uh, at least where I opened up to the fourth lesson tonight on the secret place. Uh, I know where I'm going, so I'm excited about it because I already know what the end runway looks like. So I'm trying to methodically build up where we're going. And I think tonight, uh, as I put it together, tonight and next week what's in my brain is is really exciting me. So I'm looking forward to sharing with you tonight what the Lord has been putting on my heart. Let's just do a quick recap. Here's the quick recap. Lucifer, who was once the light bearer, cast a shadow of God's glory, is now the darkness bearer. We saw that last week, casting a shadow of death. And we talked about how this shadow of death that has come. Hang on just a second. This shadow of death that has come. Oh, i got to get that off of there. I see that little arrow. The shadow of death has come. And then understanding the role of Lucifer, which is what we tried to do last week in his creation, his rebellion gives us insight to the first human beings being created naked and with no shame, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. I left you with this. This was the thought that I left you with, that my belief is that when God made Adam and made Eve, that he made them and he clothed them in light. And tonight I would like to give you the biblical uh, reasons of why I believe that. I made a joke about it that uh, I hope you didn't think I was turning into a metaphysical spiritualist uh, going into some new age philosophy. But uh, I believe a lot of times that though past teaching of the way we've seen the Bible is very good, I think sometimes the things we see can also put us in a box and we never really try to think beyond just what the box was which I was given. So that made me a vacation Bible school picture of Adam and Eve with a little fig leaf, and we go, that's Adam and Eve, and we never really stop to think about it. I got a text message and a telephone call this week from a friend, and he said, I was laying in bed with my wife, and we were listening to your teaching on the, uh, the secret place, and he said, it's amazing to me the things you're sharing. I've just never even thought about that. So I do think that is a challenge in Christianity. And which is what I try to do on Wednesday night. I try to stretch your brain. I try to make us really dig out scripture. So uh, that's what I'll try to do tonight. And I want to talk about this subject of Adam and Eve, what went wrong, and how God is going to remedy this thing and what he is trying to accomplish. Let's jump into it. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis 1. Follow along the TV or you can... I always like to say it's best to get your Bible out because you can highlight things and make notes in the margin for yourself. And then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us, and they will reign. So I just want to stop right there and get you to think about this, that when I made mention a few weeks ago that this is a critical thought, and the thought is this is going to be very irritating to this angel named Lucifer because God is going to do something different because to Lucifer, he wasn't created in the image of God. He was a created being of God, but not in the image of God. And that created being, Lucifer, reflected God's glory, but he didn't carry God's glory. And so now we move into something very interesting. Let us make man in our image like us. And when we just naturally think about that, we just think this. Well, you know, we debated this in seminary when I was, you know, in school. Uh, is God like us? Like, or are we like Him? Does He have hands? Does He have eyes? Does He have ears? Uh, you know, and I was debating 
He must because he sits on a throne. So he, And my joke was we were sitting about 30, 40 students, and I, they was asking that question, is God like us? Does he have hands and feet and eyes and ears? And I raised my hand. I said, well, I don't know if he has hands and feet, but I know he has a rear end because he sits on a throne. <laughs> I don't know how well that went over, but it, it seemed logical at the time. And uh, so the question becomes is, what, what is like God? Does God have ten fingers and ten toes? And uh, how do, does God have two eyes? So we try to figure that out. And to figure that out, you, you're going to have people all over the spectrum because you do read he's a spirit. So then we have, well, the image is we're like God because we're a spirit, soul, and a body. So it's the composite of us. The, the flesh is like Jesus. The soul is like God. You know, the mind is like the Father. And the breath is like the spirit. So in the image of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, we are marked spirit, soul, and body. I have my spirit, I have my soul, which is the will, which would be the Father. You know, the Father is the will. Jesus said, I'll do the will of my Father. And then we have the breath, the spirit, and then Jesus was in the flesh. So that, that could be argued that that's true. I don't have a problem with that. I, I teach that. So I teach that we are three people in one. Mark is a spirit, soul, and a body. And I always say, and I joke about it, but when they bury you and say, this is not the real you, this little creature down here that we're bearing is not the real you, the real you's in heaven. It's half true, that is the real you. That was your earth suit, and it's such a real you that God's going to redeem that back up and give you a brand new real you. He's going to redeem your body. So, But I want to take you into uh, not just saying that that's wrong, because I do believe that, but when he says, in our image, like us. And the end result of that, it wasn't just so that you could be cute and pretty. The end result of being like God was so you could reign, take dominion, and you could rule. There was going to come a, an authority that came with it. That in some strange way, God was going to share His authority with these new created beings. And I don't think He's going to have a problem with it because He says the way I'm going to make them is in our image. And I think it's going to be very challenging for Lucifer to understand it, which is why I go back to the, the image of the light because I believe when Lucifer sees this, it challenges him to become very jealous because he used to be the light bearer and now he sees that these humans, I believe, were created in light. I'm, uh, this picture doesn't have nose, nose eyes, and ears, but I, I believe that. I believe they had eyes and ears, but they were covered in light. So God created, verse 27 of Genesis 1, He created human beings in His own image. And in the image of God, He created them in male and female. As we push weeks ahead, this male and female is going to be critical because as we talk about the secret place, and you know, we talked about where do we dwell, He who dwells in the secret place. You know, it's like a 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days dwelling somewhere. That, that God brings this concept of a male and a female to express His overall image. And He obviously needs both of them to express the fullness. And, and the fullness of His image, this is the way I would, I would teach this. If we were talking about male and female. We're not, but the thought. The reason of male and female is because humans who were like God were going to be able to do something that Lucifer could not. 
And what they're going to be able to do is reproduce themselves. And that's going to be mind-blowing because Lucifer, as much wisdom and beauty and brilliance and knowledge that he was, the highest created order of a being other than a human, he could not duplicate himself. And that's critical. So uh, when he rebels, you know, he just pulls other created beings with him. So I love the mind of God. This is what I said, inside the mind of God. We think male and female, that it's a sign of marriage and all of that, and I'm not against that. Male and female both represent, you know, we argue that the female is the womanly feminine side of God and the male is the manly, you know, uh, masculine side of God, and I'm okay with that, you know. People even say, you know, there's the God that's kind of like our mother, the nurturing, and then we argue, well, what is that? I'm not saying don't think that way, but I'm saying think this way. Not whether or not Adam and Eve, male and female, was representative of God being both male and female, but that Adam and Eve created male and female was God's wisdom that what I'm going to create here has the ability to multiply. So it's going to be done, it's so brilliant that, and, and here's the thing, out of that multiplication, you'll be able to take dominion. You'll rule the whole world. Because the ease would have been this. I don't think this would have blown Lucifer's mind because, you know, God could have. Why didn't God just burp and just put humans all over the place? Like billions of them, just boom, and there's billions of human beings, and he goes, ha ha, I got you, Lucifer. That's not as impressive as making two and backing off and going, well, with those two, I'm going to take over the whole world and take dominion. Well, how are you going to do that? Oh, just imagine if he was conversating with Lucifer or another angel. Well, what about these beings? Why, why, why the, they look the same, but they're distinct. What it, and God looks at these created angels and says, Oh, the thing about these people is they will bear the image to recreate themselves. They will be able to reproduce after themselves. That is profound. So God's own image in a male and a female is so profound that God is like, the whole world will be taken over with my image. I don't have time to talk about the LGBTQ agenda, but if you just think it's about a girl liking a girl and a boy liking a boy, okay, that's kind of base count 101. But if you think about the spiritual implications, it is Lucifer's way to say the humans you created will not multiply whether I abort them or whether I get them to love each other, same sex, anyway, it's a spit in the face of God that these beings that are going to recreate will not, they'll either not recreate, they'll kill what they're, they're creating, so same sex, not create, abortion, kill what they do create, or if they do create, they won't create after your image, they'll create after mine. And so therein there lies the warfare so those are the three warfares that we, you know, maybe we'll go there in the future, that the warfare of not multiplying, the warfare of killing those to, to keep them, and then the warfare of once they're born on the planet, I'll corrupt them. So let's not just think shallow, and shallow would be just a woman and a man. Let's kind of think what God is doing. So God blessed them. I love this. 
be fruitful. This is kind of like if you read it, it just, it, this is like, yeah, that was fun. Think about this. Be fruitful and multiply. Multiply. Think about it. Don't just think sex. Like, wow, yes, this is fun. God, let us have sex. Like, multiply is you can recreate my image on your own. I, I've put so much power in you. I have put myself and image in you. And you're so created like me that you will be able to create. That's profound. And then he says, well, here's what happens when you do that. You can govern and you can reign over all of the creation. So the Lord God, verse 21 of Genesis 2, we've jumped ahead a chapter. So the Lord God caused the man to fall in a deep sleep. I got my own thoughts there, but I'll put it in yellow just to I'll let you ponder that. But uh, I've got my funny thoughts that if he would have asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He would have never thought a woman. He was already looking over the animals to see which animal he could kind of agree with, and he couldn't find anybody to agree with. And so if he would have said, tell me, like in your brain, Adam, tell me the thing that I could do for you that could blow your mind, Adam would have never picked a human being that was a woman. And so my belief is the reason God put him to sleep is that God wants you to know that when you trust his wisdom, it puts you in a place of rest. Uh, and I'll tell you, if you ever want to just be a tormented soul, don't trust his wisdom. You'll lay awake all night long trying to figure out how you're going to get out of this mess, how you're going to get out of this hole, how you're going to get married, how you're going to get out of debt. But there's a great peace. And as I take you there, if you want to think this about, because we're talking about the secret place, if you go back and read Psalm 91, like it, it is just the most peaceful psalm. A thousand may fall this way, a thousand may fall this way, but when you're in my wisdom, it won't even touch you. There's that rest. There's that, you know, that thought with him. So God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening, and God made a woman from the rib, and he brought the, her to the man. At last, the reason he said that is he'd been looking at all the animals, the Bible says, and seeing if there was somebody suitable for him. I don't know how long that took. Uh, you know, could have taken eons to go through all the animals, but he had to name them all. But he said of this one, this is bone of my bone. So here's what we have to know. When I go back to that picture of that light being, we have to at least say that it wasn't probably some translucent being because Adam says, I have bone and I have flesh. So now we get to pull this out a little better to try to understand. She will be called woman because she was taken from the man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and these three words I've got highlighted in green, blue, and pink, they will be joined to his wife and he'll be united as one. I'll make this thought because this is about lesson 12 down the road. I believe to truly understand the secret place and what it means and how it has impact in your life to its fullest extent will only be realized in community with other people believing. Uh, because God, when he starts this thing, he doesn't leave this man alone. God's whole remedy of revealing his glory is he wants to join you because here's the brilliance again. The two shall be united as one. And usually when we talk that, it's at a wedding. 
And then usually the woman quotes it and says, you just need to leave your mom and dad because the Bible says you should leave them and cleave to me. So we use it to kind of argue on how much my in-laws have influence in my life. But if you go before there were in-laws, because he says a father and mother's joined, well, Adam had no father, Adam had no mother, so there's something prophetic about it, obviously. Uh, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and then they two are united in one. Now ponder this, because in the mind of God, Adam, uh, you know, as as he writes this out or however it's going to play out, because you were taken from man, and this explains why a man, you know, maybe if it's Moses writing it, he's saying, this is why a man leaves a father and a mother. But this line here, they're united into one, is a slap back into Lucifer's face because it's the one thing he wasn't going to do was be humble enough to unite himself with one with God because he wanted to be God. So the whole male and female joined and united in one that could multiply the glory of God, it really reeks of God just backslapping Satan to go, well, you want to test my wisdom, I'm about to show you my wisdom. I'm going to create a being that can reproduce after themselves. I'm going to create a being that can multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have two of them together, and they're going to be joined together in perfect unity. Take that. Because he was none of that. He could not reproduce after himself, and he did not want to submit to anybody. He wanted to be God and be in control. So this male and female thing is my opinion is just God stepping back going, well, watch what I'm about to do. So with that playing out, we still have this fallen, dark being over here who obviously is watching this play out. I don't know where he's at. We do know from the book of Job that he goes back and forth from earth to heaven kind of watching stuff. So maybe he's back watching God make a rib, maybe he's, I don't know, I'm sure. But I do know he probably picks up because he hears and sees, well, if these people can multiply after themselves and they can govern and reign, which is what I wanted to do, and they're in the image of God, which is what I wanted, and they have the power of God themselves on their side because they can do all this, and they're together in unity well, then I already have my job cut out for me. And my job is going to be to destroy it. Because if, 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 if I can't beat God, I'll join Him and destroy Him from this level. So know this, every time the devil picks on a human, it's his way to slap God back in the face. So that when you go to the book of Job, what are you doing here in my presence? He says, well, I've just been roaming the earth. And God says, well, have you considered Job? See, there's this human being that becomes this this way that Lucifer is going to get back at God. I'm going to destroy this image called humans. And I'll laugh in your face when I do it because I'll control the earth. Now the man and his wife, and this is what we'll talk about tonight. The man and his wife were both naked but they felt no shame. And so the question becomes, well, why naked? And I've said it before. Why did he make him naked? This is my thought. Adam and Eve were made naked and unashamed for the purpose of displaying the sovereignty of God's glory. So when we say naked, it's obviously no clothes. 
Obviously, their flesh does not have any kind of covering. But something must happen because they go from naked with no shame to naked and having shame. The nakedness did not change. But the way they perceived and saw their nakedness, something must have changed. So if you're naked and have nothing on, and then one chapter later realize you're naked with nothing on, what happened? What was it that kept them in chapter 2 from seeing their nakedness and having no shame that shifted in chapter 3 to make them realize we are naked and have shame and had to go run and hide? It can't be clothes that were already naked. So that's kind of intrigued me for years. I'll try to tell you what I've figured out, and you can discern if you like it or not. So there's the thought. They're made this way. And I want to tell you what I think happened. Chapter 3. The woman was convinced she's talking to the serpent. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted... And here's, here's something interesting. Again, the secret place in the mind of God. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. Now, what's the problem with that? The problem with wanting the wisdom that the tree would give her is God's wisdom was, that's not where your wisdom is coming from. And in that lies all thoughts of false religions. All thoughts of spiritisms, all thoughts of all the religions I study, Buddhism, Marxism, Hinduism, Taoism, all the isms. Because all these isms are, I wanted the wisdom. Man, I want the wisdom. So we need to understand that all humans crave wisdom. Where did we come from? Where are we going? Who's in charge? Who's God? They crave the wisdom. And God basically said, look, there's an essence here where you stay away from that simply because that's my wisdom. So in, at the base core of what's going on here is a battle for the wisdom of God. It's why Lucifer rebelled. My wisdom is you're there, you sit on your throne, I sit on my throne, you do your thing of what I've given you the glory to do. No, don't like your wisdom. Adam and Eve, here's my wisdom. You have all my glory. You can multiply. You're like me. You can reproduce. Just don't eat that tree. There's my wisdom. And both battles of Lucifer and Eve became over will they or will they not submit to the wisdom of God? And you know the story, I hope. She says, no, I'm going to take it, I'm going to eat the fruit, and I'm going to eat it. Now in this, wisdom, fruit, and eating it, I believe starts giving us insight to what the secret place is going to be. Because remember, we said the secret place, you have to dwell in it. It's somewhere you have to stay all the time. 24-7, it's somewhere you linger. It's not come in and go to your prayer closet, come in and go to church, secret place. Obviously, what we've studied is, is this, this, it's this planting of your life under the shadow of God. And so I think the wisdom, the fruit, and the eating shows us that God's intent was that His secret place was trying to play out in her life by, hey, I'm going to be your wisdom. You'll eat my fruit and you'll live in it your whole life. And we know that to be true because what does he say? As long as you don't eat that tree, you'll live forever. So now if we talk, this, he who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow. Now we see that perhaps the secret place has something to do with his wisdom because as long as you listen to it, you'll live with him forever. 
And the moment you reject it, you're dead. Well, she rejects it. And at that moment, the moment she ate, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt nakedness or, or suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And then it goes back to, you know, our first two lessons. So they sewed fig leaves and did what? They did what their instincts were built to do, to cover themselves. That created being, created like God, even when they sinned, there was something innate in them, we, we've got to cover ourselves. And the way we see that is, you know, in the little picture, she covers her breast and her privates and he covers his privates and they sit behind a tree and we take a picture of them. But, but think this way, you're naked, you're stark naked. Hey, put your fingers back there on the light switch there, Phil. And uh, when I say suddenly, flip them off. So they're fine. She's chatting with the serpent. Hey, don't, don't eat the tree. Don't take the tree. Don't eat of the tree. And she's made like God. They can reproduce. They're fruitful. They multiply. She goes, you know what? I don't think I like God's wisdom. I think I like that wisdom better. She takes the fruit. She bites it. And the moment their eyes were opened, suddenly, out she goes. And let me do this so you get the suddenly. And suddenly... Out she goes. And so the moment she eats, my thinking, my thinking is the moment she bit it, a suddenly. How do you, you can turn them on now. How do you come to a suddenly? I think it was suddenly because the light was instantaneously off. I think God instantly removed the light of His glory and they were naked. I'll tell you why I think that to be true in a minute. But whatever, that's my thinking. I'm going to land on it and I think I could fight for that. I like that. The thing that they lost was the covering of His light. And so what do they do when they lose the covering of His light? They do what they were created. You must be covered. And so they tried it themselves. They covered themselves. Listen to what he says in Psalm 104. Let all that I am praise the Lord, O Lord my God, how great you are. You're robed with honor and majesty, talking about God, and you are dressed in a robe of light. If God is dressed in a robe of light and he made humans to be in his image, then what do you think when they're naked that he dressed them with? My thinking is a robe of light. He stepped back and he clothed them with a robe of light and they were going to be the light of the world. They were going to go and multiply as the light of the world. They were going to reflect his glory and not just reflect his glory, but they were the image of his glory. They weren't just a reflection. They were the image of his glory. So it becomes a challenge of what happens. And I have this thought. The suddenly of realization of their nakedness, I believe, was a result of the loss of God's clothing of light. Uh, we're going to take about two to three weeks to keep teaching this, but as you move toward through the Bible, and we'll do it next week, we'll start working our way through it, you're going to find out that this loss of clothing of light is, is a critical piece to humans and their relationship to God and how it plays out. It, it's simple with Jesus. You're the light of the world. Yay! You know, we, this little light of mine. You know, that's kind of how we think. We have a little flashlight. Totally bogus. You don't have a flashlight. You are light. Amen. And I'll tell you how, why I think that is and what it means because you and I don't walk around 
you know, in the dark shining. As soon as we cut the lights off, nobody was actually shining in the natural. But what if it was a shine in the spiritual? What if, I'll show you this in a minute, what if in the spirit world, the dark world can see you when you walk in the room? Because you carry His presence. You carry His glory. So that's why I don't know if you've ever felt it. You, you'd have to be saved for a while or at least been around a while. But have you ever been somewhere where something evil came in the room and you could kind of feel it? You're like, that don't, something, woo, something happened. You might not even know what it was, but you felt the presence of darkness or evil. Well, in the spirit realm, I, though I couldn't see darkness and evil, but I, I've, I've been in several places where I could feel it. I could sense there's something heavy here that's not of this world. We would call it demonic or whatever a Christian would label it. But a heaviness of darkness. And, and my belief is if I could see in the Spirit, I would see beams of light and darkness warring. I think that's what we would see, kind of like Neo. I would see flashes of light and darkness working in a war against each other. So the moment she sinned, uh, this is the best Google I have. Uh, I think something happened to where they became beings of darkness. And God's got to redeem that. He could have killed them all, but he didn't. Uh, it's going to make me cry. Whew. Man, I just felt touched by that. Like he, he should have just killed us all and started all over. Just like you sorry little no good pieces of dirt. Because that's all we were. But, but you have to understand the power of, of what God's light can do. And he's going, I'm telling you. I, you, roll, you roll about 4,000 years on this piece of garbage and you let the Son of God be manifest in the light. And the King of glory shows up in the flesh and he walks out in the Gospel of John and says, the light of the world is here. A human being that is God in the flesh. Woo! I'll have to leave that alone. I'll, I'll be at her midnight talking about that one. The suddenly of the realization of their nakedness was a result of the loss of God's clothing of glory. Let's move on. What was the clothing of light? I believe it was His glory. If you want to know what I believe when we talk about light, the light of the Lord, we're talking about His glory. And I know this is a very subjective thought. What is the glory of God? It's, it's so subjective. What is it? But if nothing else, we can at least land here and we'll dig it out later. Once we begin to talk about the, the clothing that Adam lost and Eve lost, was the light of God that was expressed in His wisdom. And the light and wisdom of God coupled together are the glory of God. You have to have both of them. God will never bring His glory where there's, His light is not. It, in, in other words, I have to merge His wisdom with His light. Because if I remove His wisdom, there is no light. And I can have light without His wisdom. And Jesus, or Paul says, that's nothing more than a deception. 
So you either have the glory of God, wisdom and light together, and a human submits to it. Or you take the wisdom of God out and you just simply have a dead human that is dark and sinful. Or you just totally leave wisdom out and fake the light. And that becomes deception. Either way, whether I move the wisdom of God out and try to live my life, the moment I do, I, I can, I, my, my best bet is to fake it. I just have to fake it. There's no reality. I'll teach you that in the weeks ahead. So let's, let's try this out, and then I'll ask Michael to come on up, and let's get ready to end in some worship. Genesis 3, when the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. I'm going to pull this out next week in depth, but I want to give you the thought. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man. This, this has blown me away for years. And God says, where are you? Now the typical preacher is going to say, God knew where he was. He's God. He just wanted Adam and Eve to know where they were. I don't know. I'm, I'm not opposed to that. I think God knew where they were. Like little dumb people, what'd they just do? He knew they were hiding out among the trees. But what, this is just, think about this and see if it fits with you. What if you're a being of light created by the God of light to multiply the image of light and living in the wisdom of God, but the moment you rebel against His wisdom, He cuts the light off, and what happens when you cut the light off? Where did you go? Where are you? It wasn't because I didn't know Jennifer sitting there. It's because in the mind of God, I don't see my glory I don't see what I created, so where are you? Where is the clothing of light? Because now you're dark, so I think that's why he said, where are you? To even kind of give us insight that, that this being of light was now cut off and, was, and, and God's response, he knows all, he knows where you are, but where are you? Here's my thinking, because you don't shine anymore. Where are you in my garden because you're not radiating my glory? When I would come down before, I knew where you were because the whole garden was lit up with my glory. I come down today, where are you, son? Because you've lost my light. You've lost my glory. I want to talk to you about that next week. Where's Michael? Come on up, Michael. Let's get ready. Stand up with me, if you will. <clears throat> I want to take you on a journey, so try to come next week. If you can't, it's okay, but you need to listen and keep up with us. I want to take you on a journey of this thought of where are you and why I think it was a comment to God toward the darkness that was on Adam and not his geographical location of being hidden behind a tree. So let's pray. So Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for your presence and your glory and your power. My prayer is that something I said would challenge you. That's what I pray every week, that something would challenge your religious thinking to open your mind to the audacity of God's wisdom. And I think sometimes it's so silly how we humans think that God thinks like we think. We, we want to dumb him down to us. 
I think that's one of the tragedies of Christianity is we've dumbed God down to us rather than enlighten us to know you. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. So I don't know what you're struggling with tonight. I don't know what battle of wisdom is going on, but as Michael leads us in some worship, the way we do it is if you want to sit, if you want to pray, you want to kneel, however you want to walk, we just really felt like the way we would end Wednesday night, since it's a midweek, is just hearing the word and then just letting some worship just refresh you. Just If you want to get your Bible out and just sit in an atmosphere of worship and just read the scriptures. But this is a time of connecting with God yourself. This is a time to reflect on what's been taught and what He wants to say. And my, my prayer would be this. My prayer would be that you would have a discussion within yourself. Do you really trust His wisdom or not? And are you merged up with His wisdom? Or are you sitting around trying to make sense of it in your own wisdom? Perhaps that's why the New Testament will tell us about Abraham. He was a father of faith. Because I think there's an essence to God that if you could figure him out, you wouldn't need faith. If you could understand every facet of his glory, why would you need faith? All you would need is knowledge. But we had a tree of knowledge. And he said, stay away from it. Maybe the reason he wanted us to stay away is he wanted us to know that there's an essence of God that he wants you to trust him in faith. Not just because you can figure it all out. I wish we could. It would just make Christianity so fun if I could just figure it all out, explain everything. But I do know this, at every journey with Jesus, there's always a place He's going to ask you, do you trust me? And there's always going to be the response, well, if you'll do A, B, and C and prove to me, I will. If you will answer this, then I will. But He steps back and says, will you trust me? Will you trust my wisdom? So tonight as we worship, I ask you to step over that tonight and say, yes, Lord, I will. I trust you. I put my faith in you. In Jesus' name. Let's just have some time of worship. Enjoy the presence of the Lord for a moment. Amen.